Welcome everybody to Beyond Beyond the Box Set, our little bonus show where we review films in the cinema right now. Today, Bohemian Rhapsody. What did you think of this film? Um, controversially, perhaps, I really liked it. Yeah, me too. I really had a good time watching this film. Mm. And I would say, and this is probably the controversial bit, I think I enjoyed this more than A Star Is Born. Oh, easily. Yeah. Easily, because I, I had problems with A Star Is Born. Mm. I don't really have many problems with this film. Not especially. I think I would say A Star Is Born is a quote-unquote better film like i think it's better made and there's more substance to it but i feel like this is much better paced and much more fun to watch i'd say there's less uh bad bits in a star is born but in bohemian rhapsody there's there's some weak links yes i I would say just with like one or two people who are acting who just aren't quite doing the doing as as well as they should be but then other bits make up for that and more Mm. so yeah, compared to compare the two, I think *Star Is Born* is just solid Oscar bait average. Yeah, um, this one feels a little bit above that, even though it's got some bits that are below that. Yeah, because they're about the same length, and this really like whizzed by so much more. Mm, like it yeah. wasn't short, but both films like two hours fifteen minutes ish, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this *Star Is Born* like started really strong and then really dragged, which we, yeah. we talked about on our review of that episode, on our review of that, on our review of that film. But yeah, this one. I think it was really silly and quite shallow, but it was just it was just fun, and I feel like a, maybe that's what a Queen biopic should be. Because mm. not to like be dismissive of Queen's music, which is obviously amazing and really creative, but they are essentially a good time band. They're a band that are about mostly about fun, and yeah. so I don't think there's. I would hate to see a version of the Queen story that was as slow and depressing and miserable as A Star Is Born was in places. Like, well, I was scared this this was gonna be because if you remember the very first shot of Bohemian Rhapsody mm. is Freddie Mercury in bed in like some mansion or something and yeah. he's clearly got no energy I guess it's the time of his life where he was just bedridden for most of it because he was dying from AIDS sure or AIDS related diseases and uh, I was like oh god is this film going to be just the story of you know Freddie Mercury yeah, yeah I get it from when he became a thing to, mm. to when he dies like oh that's not quite what I want from this I don't want to see his decline no that would have been awful I don't yeah. think he would have wanted that like I don't know how he would have felt about this film but I definitely don't think I can't imagine he would have wanted a, just a horrible maudlin film about, you know, yeah, like a two-hour plod through his, mm. you know, slow, tragic decline from HIV-related illnesses. So thank God it didn't do that. Right? Mm, yeah. But yeah, I was, after we walked out the cinema, cause we were both like, I really enjoyed that. And I kind of went in thinking I wasn't going to enjoy it because the reviews from this film have been really poor. Like mm. A lot of critics really, really hated this. Mm-hmm. But it's making lots of money and people are really liking it, so that just goes to show. Mm. But I started, like, I read, I read back some reviews after watching it to try and understand why I, why other people would dislike it so much. And so, so the, some of the main criticisms of the film are, some of them make sense to me, some of them not so much. So basically, one of the main ones is that um, basically it makes Freddie's, it makes the rest of Queen look really straight late, like they were all these happily married, very professional. They wrote most mm-hmm. of the songs, which you know, I don't know is true. I'm sure they did. They can't have made that up. That they Yeah, that feels like a weird thing to make up. No, no, I'm sure they did. I've, and to be fair, that did, because the rest of Queen, or I think Brian May and Roger Taylor, had a heavy hand in producing this film. so And you could definitely tell that sometimes. Mm. Like, there were a lot of lines that came through, like, you could tell them saying, well, make sure they know that we wrote this one. You know, we Freddie didn't write that one. We wrote this one. Yeah. We wrote... And it was a bit, okay, we get it. You, you, you're a band, not a solo artist. Great. But yeah, so 
there was that, which is, I guess, a bit heavy-handed, but fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it kind of, a lot of critics complain that it made the rest of Queen look like these very nice, you know, happily married, you know, straight guys. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, crazy, debauched homosexual was just constantly, like, dragging them off the wrong path and sending, mm-hmm. you know, and basically was a complete burden to them in many ways. Um, I didn't really see it like that. No, not massively. I mean, it it didn't feel like it was their story. No. They, they, they wanted to have their, their impact on it of just like, yeah, we tell everybody we wrote some of these songs mm. fair enough but uh, the story was ultimately Freddie Mercury's story yeah that's what I don't think Freddie Mercury comes off unsympathetic in this I think it would have been almost impossible to make a film that's equally about all four members of Queen because yeah, realistically who cares yeah <laughs> like this is the thing that they because people... the three of them for all I know have vaguely the same story mm-hmm. they jo- form or join one of the best bands in history yeah and Live happily ever after. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Well, I genu- Fr- Fr- Freddie Mercury's the old one out there. Yeah, for obvious reasons. Yeah, I genuinely don't know what their what their experiences being in the band at the time, whether they were on drugs or not. Obviously, the film made it look like they were completely straight laced. Like you know, they were just like Freddie. I've got to get home to my wife. You know, Freddie, you're taking this too far. You're burning the candles at both ends. Mm-hmm. So, I can see that it was like you know the straight life versus the you know quote unquote debauched kind of homosexual you know, it kind of. Because he was like the mad gay one, then so he was always, always obviously he was the one that was on the drugs and stuff. But it's fam- Freddie Mercury was famously a big like you know big party animal, mm-hmm. and whether or not the others were or not, I think the fact that they didn't show that is because I don't I don't think anyone cares. Yeah, it's like another complaint was that like he wasn't the first one to go solo. Like this film makes it look like he broke up Queen and like to go on this disastrous solo career that nobody cared about, and when what he should have just known his place and stayed in Queen, and. You know, maybe that's a little bit harsh because his solo career wasn't a complete disaster. But also, apparently, Brian May released a solo album first, and all the others they all did their own solo stuff. So mm-hmm. it seems like the actual decision to do individual projects was more of a group decision than Freddie just flouncing off. Mm-hmm. But again, like, who cares? I don't want to see like a ten-minute scene of Brian May making a solo album. Like, no, I've never heard a solo Brian May song. Clearly, there's a reason. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, <laughs> no offense to the guy, but so. I can kind of see what they're getting at. It's like, it's this idea that... And I think the, the scene that people pick up on a lot is the scene where he comes back to Queen at the end for Live Aid mm. and he kind of begs them for forgiveness mm-hmm. and they kind of send him out the room. And, and that is a little bit humiliating. I really enjoyed it in the film. Mm. Well, it was kind of played for laughs. Yeah, it, it, it was a bit. And it was... It, it, it really showed that Freddie Mercury had, had changed at that point to see uh, that he, he'd been told what to do. Yeah, someone's telling him go and stand outside for for a minute, mm-hmm. and he'll and he'll do that. Um, yeah, it was nice to show him that he'd become humble. Well, maybe, I think that's the point. The, the film and makes he, a point of humbling him that maybe isn't very fair to him. Maybe mm-hmm. he didn't really need to be humble. We don't know if that really happened or not. Like, mm-hmm. So I, I can I can understand that. Like you know, you must be, you must toe there's, the line, you naughty gay boy. You know? I mean, there's there's quite a few inaccuracies inaccuracies oh, in this film. Sure. Um, but a lot of them, they just feel written so that the film actually flows nicely as a film. Yeah. The film finishes with them doing Live Aid, mm. and uh, Freddie Mercury wasn't diagnosed with AIDS until a few years after that. Yeah, that's another thing people complain about a lot, that he wasn't. Like, well, yeah. what, what do you want? Do you want, do you want the film to, to finish with Live Aid and then just cover the AIDS story as in, in the credits? Oh, then Freddie Mercury was diagnosed with AIDS and he died a few years later. Yeah. Because that... that really underplays it. But also yeah. you don't want to overplay it and have... Live Aid be in the middle of the film, and then mm. second half of the film be about him dying of AIDS. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I mean, you know, who who knows how his closest family and friends feel about it? But for me, I you know, just as a viewer, yeah, I feel like you need to have some dramatic tension. I think that yeah, it, it was inaccurate, but I don't think it was uh, ultimately misleading. Mm. Like the important facts weren't misled. I don't yeah. think. 
True, yeah. And I think there has to, yeah, if it was just, if, if even if Freddie Mercury never had to go cap in hand and apologise to the rest of Queen and stuff, there has to be some kind of dramatic tension. So you have mm. to have that all the band's going to break up and then mm-hmm. it's done. So, yeah, it's not yeah. a documentary. No, exactly. So I, I feel like, on the whole, people might be being a little bit oversensitive. Yeah. Like, I think on the, I think in service of making a really entertaining film, which clearly it was, and I don't think Freddie Mercury comes out of it badly at all. Well, like, A Star Is Born would have been, like, say that was based on true events. Sure. This film would have probably been completely ripped apart because, hey, well, Bradley Cooper didn't punch her on stage or only wet himself in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, mm. that would have been the thing. Yeah. Um, well, so, it's different when you're dealing with people's real lives, obviously, because you've mm. got to be respectful to them, but to their memories and stuff and not misrepresent them, but... But yeah, I don't think this film did it in a particularly tasteless way. And, well, largely, they got the mood of this film just right. Like you yeah. said, it was great fun mm. almost the whole way through. Yeah. And, uh, well, they really did go through all Queen's back catalogue in this, didn't they? They <laughs> did. They crowbarred most of them in. I love how half the film, like, it just in alternating scenes, half of it was just a music video. Yeah. It was great. Mm. Really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, That's, yeah, I think you're right. The tone is what they got very well because it... it even though this, I don't think the script was great, and apart, from, it was acting-wise, it was a complete one-man show. Mm. It, it kind of felt in places like a Richard Curtis movie, like uh, The Boat That Rocked or Love Actually, kind of thing, where it, it was quite sitcomy, mm-hmm. like because it really like went from A to B to C. It was quite join the dots, and but it, it kind of worked because it like it didn't get bogged down in real like slow, you know, authenticity. And, yeah, yeah. It was it was fun and it was frivolous, and like like I said before, I think that's what a Queen biopic probably should be. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, but yeah, what did you? F- I, th- I think that the the main reason this works is Rami Malek. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, I <clears throat> can't imagine anybody else who could have done it this well because he no. really surprised me in this. Mm. Um, I mean, particularly just his uh, when Freddie Mercury was performing. Yes, like that's that. Those those are the bits that really sold me on this. Like, yeah. how do they find somebody who could perform that well? Mm. Like, if you look at the end of this film, the Live Aid performance, like, my favourite bit by a very long way. Oh, sure, I think probably everyone's favourite. Yeah. <laughs> um, he absolutely nails it. Mm. After watching it, I then went home and just watched the, the actual Live Aid performance. Sure. It's almost exactly the same. Yeah. And obviously, they've done much more creative camera work in this, with, like, sweeping a camera underneath the piano through his legs and... Mm. Getting that Pepsi shot yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or Coca-Cola, sorry. No, it was Pepsi. Yeah, it was Pepsi, yeah. Um, was that... Yeah. Accurate? Was that there as well? That was very accurate. Oh, fair enough. I thought it was like, like just load, loads of Pepsi things and oh, okay. two plastic cups of like beer or something okay. on the piano. Like placement was perfect and everything. Fair enough. I take it back. I thought yeah. that was just product placement, but I guess live no, it was, was product it was placement. Ma- yeah, it was making it accurate. accurate. Fair enough. Okay. I'm sure um, it was both. <laughs> not yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like that was flawless. His mm. performance of that, like he, you could feel the energy that he was giving off. Yeah. And uh, well, I guess that's the ultimate Freddie Mercury impersonation. Definitely. To be able to do that. And especially since he wasn't singing. Mm. Like, that's in many ways more impressive because it, he, to get the energy without actually singing, because no, there's no way he could have done a version of Freddie Mercury's songs. No. So I think what they I did. I think it was, it was a very, very good decision not to try and do that. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, People would not have liked that at all. Because when he was singing, like, I guess for Live Aid, they used the Live Aid vocals. I imagine so. Yeah, and then other times when he sings, I think there's moments when it's a little bit Rami Malek, but mostly it's like doctored, like a cappella, you mm. know, versions of Freddie Mercury recordings, like demo recordings, I mm, guess. Yeah. Strip. I don't know how they did it, but it was almost all it seemed to be Freddie Mercury vocals, which was very impressive when you have him singing, like, mm. as I say, not not just on record, but actually singing in 
in the film, if you know what I mean, diegetically. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, yeah. And that, that was flawless as well. Yeah. Like, it was great lip syncing. It was, it was great. It best it reminded me of the Tina Turner movie, which Angela Bassett did a similar job. She lip syncs to Tina Turner vocals, and it's just amazing. Like, it's mm. not at all distracting. So, mm. yeah, really, really impressed with him. Um, but other than, I mean, the rest of the cast, I mean, they were bad, but they. Yeah, they, they, they weren't awful. They weren't notably awful actors, but. No. Uh, well, he didn't have a lot to do, for no. one thing. But also, I don't know, maybe it's partly their accents. Just yeah. their particular English accents just sound a bit wooden. Yeah, a little um, bit. And so maybe there wasn't much they could have done. But also, when they're, go, when they're playing against Rami Malek's Freddie Mercury, mm. such an extreme character with such an amazing portrayal, yeah. it's difficult to live up to that. To not so be the straight man, so to speak. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> the, the comparison is yeah. probably the, the, big, the biggest downfall to all the B characters in this. Sure. Um, apart from obviously uh, Michael Myers. Well, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As I said to you when we walked in, he, he's in the opening credits, like his, his credits are does, you know, being in the film. So it's like, oh, Michael mm-hmm. Myers is in this. I'll look out for that. Mm. Um, which I wish they hadn't done. I wish he kept it as a surprise cameo because well, he was been... in the trailer. I guess he was, yeah. But I don't think I picked up that it was him then. Yeah, well, I, never, I didn't pick up it was him until the yeah. very, very end of the film. Obviously, I saw his name in the credits, but then. Like I, I'd forgotten that there was one person I was looking out for. Yeah, I saw it in the credits. Like, oh, look out for him! And then I yeah. forgot that, forgot who it was I was looking out for. And then this guy came in. I didn't recognise him as, as Michael Myers. Mm. Uh, wait, is he go by Mike Myers or Michael Myers? Because which one's the serial killer? Mike Myers is the comedian. Michael Myers is the serial killer from Halloween. Cool, cool, cool. cool. Although Freddie Mercury, no. Although Mike Myers once played uh, a character in a film called Side Married an Axe Murderer. So, oh, <laughs> so yeah, there's confusion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, he was barely recognisable. Yeah, because he's wearing a, th- a thick beard and mm. some extreme glasses. But yeah. you know, so is everybody. It was the eighties. Well, he did seventies. Yeah. Yes, seventies. Um, and yeah, he's doing a kind of a very quite good English accent, I guess. Mm. He was, was it like a Yorkshire? I can't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, he, he didn't sound all like a Lancashire accent. Yeah, it took me a while to figure out it was him, and then I was like, oh, oh, that's that's where he is. But mm. if he hadn't been in the credits, I might not have noticed. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was funny because he plays a record exec who basically turns down Bohemian Rhapsodians. They have a very heavy-handed, like, meta Wayne's World joke where it's like, no yeah. kids will ever be headbagging to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah, I'm not sure if he was actually a real person because um, I know that he's an amalgamation of, like, a few different people. Sure. Because apparently at that point, Queen went around to various different labels and tried to get tried to get the Amin Rhapsody off the ground and got turned down by quite a lot of people. But just yeah. in, in the film, they just merged that into one character. Which makes sense, yeah. Yeah. So, the character's not in it enough that you need to understand it to be a single person who really existed. He's not like he has a lot of detail to it. Exactly, yeah. a guy who doesn't like Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, know. he was a good bit of fun. He was probably better than what a montage of just people saying no to Freddie Mercury would have been. Yeah, unless they were all former movie spies. Like you had Pierce Brosnan and uh, Roger... Is Roger Moore still alive? He's not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. No. Uh, Timothy Dalton. Yeah, exactly. All the surviving bombs and, I don't know, Matt Jason Staffman in there. Yeah, just... just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, or, yeah. Or just have Mike Myers play all of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He's the master of disguise. Yeah. <laughs> he can get his Dr. Evil cap out again, his bald cap out. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, one of the things that I thought was weird was the, the way they depicted the songs being created. Mm. I guess it kind of had to... Again, you don't want to go into too much nitty-gritty, but... I thought the bit, the bit of the, the recording Bohemian Rhapsody was really good because mm. that really showed Freddie Mercury at the peak of like his creativity, just trying all these crazy things. Yeah, I loved the bit with uh, is it Roger, is it Roger Taylor the blonde one? Yeah, uh, when he's having to do the you know 
to Galileo. The, the Galileo bits. Yeah. <laughs> Just go higher and higher and higher. Like. <laughs> That was really funny. Mm. That was a good good old montage. A lot of the other ones there, it was just like they would come up with these really famous songs at the top of their heads. Which similar, I guess it's similar to what happened in A Star Is Born. Like mm. where Freddie Mercury would just walk into the room and then they'd be having a massive argument and then in the corner the the boring one would just randomly start playing the, the exact bass line from Another One Bites the Dust. Like, yeah. Hey, that sounds good. <laughs> I mean, it's a simple bass line. Maybe he's just been working on it and he sure, just sure. suddenly, yeah. hey guys, I've, just, I've, I've got this thing to reveal to you and then just yeah. plays it. <laughs> so... I don't know. I'm not musical enough to know if that's how uh, songwriting works. No, 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 exactly. I don't think how, like a realistic depiction of how songs get written would be particularly cinematic, so no. it's fine. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, there's some characters we haven't talked about. Oh, actually, speaking of Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. um, do you remember that scene when he goes and debuts on the radio? I feel, oh, I feel that's the where I lead over to you. Yes. like, what the fuck is happening here? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like him and a, radio, a very camp radio DJ, who mm. I think is based on Kenny Everett, who was a 70s radio DJ uh, but it's like they're just having a gay a, a gay off that's the only way you could describe it it's just like... it was wasn't it yeah. it's just one of the campiest things I've seen it was really fun though I liked it <laughs> oh I couldn't possibly darling or could you darling I couldn't possibly it was just yeah. like it reached such heights of ridiculous like campiness it was like yeah uh, um, yeah I guess another thing that this film has been kind of controversial about is the way it treats his sexuality because mm-hmm. it focuses a lot on his real life relationship with uh, Mary Austin mm-hmm. who was the subject of the song Love of My Life yeah. and I think he actually left her all of it, his estate yeah. so she absolutely was an important person in his life uh, and yeah. she was I, th- I, think, uh, I think if I remember what was it his so his was it his husband or his, his partner at least the... oh Jim Horton the guy at Jim, the end yeah. yeah I think he got something like 10 million mm. Um, Freddie Mercury's chef got, I think, another ten million. Wow. Um, <laughs> there was oh, somebody else, like his his butler or something, got like five million, mm. and then Mary got everything else. Wow, including the rights to all all his all his songs. Really? Yeah. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so he really liked yeah, her. Poor, That's cool. Yeah. Poor Drin. Yeah. Well, well he, ten million is not a sniffer. No, it's not. But like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you are the one who, like, literally lives out the last days of him and, like, nurses him through his, you know, final years and then... Mm. But uh, we, I don't know how... It seems like you've really gone through the receipts on this, like... <laughs> oh, well, I listened to the Do Go On episode on Freddie Mercury. Oh, okay. A couple, couple of months ago. And wrote a pub quiz on it, so... Oh, fair enough, okay. Fair. Useless trivia. That's uh, well, pretty much all that's in my head. Sure, yeah, that's fine. Well, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's useful now. You're mm. teaching me something I didn't know. Um... But yeah, I think as a character, there wasn't much to her. She was just kind of like the supportive. Mm. Although she's probably the most interesting after him. Like she was mm, definitely consistently yeah. through it. Um, I don't know. Maybe oh, like... um, the 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 villain of the piece. His, oh, his... evil gay. Yes, <laughs> with, an, with his actual mustache. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was oh, he mustache work in this film? The good mustaches, good wigs. Yeah. Excellent everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but yes, evil gay. Yeah. Um, was he a real person? Do we know? Uh, I do not know. Was he again? I don't know if he was an amalgamation of all the like evil, you know, hangers on who led him astray. Like maybe, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, it's basically a character who is like starts off like as an assistant manager, kind of, or a PA, mm-hmm. and then kind of works his way up and becomes Freddie's manager slash lover. And then... I mean, he could have maybe he he was I don't know could have been the same actor as the, um, he might as well have been the same character as uh, Lady Gaga's manager in Star Is Born. Basically, yeah, evil British guy who yeah. like, just destroys. <laughs> Destroys everyone's dreams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, he was good fun. He was. Uh, yeah, again. And 
Well, he's the other manager is uh, Little Littlefinger from Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah, he was the good manager, I guess. But as soon as they like, he he was he was fine. I think that he was mainly just like oh, Littlefinger. Littlefinger's in a yeah. Thing. Well, that's it because as, that's, even that's though he's not him. a bad character, as soon as they like sat down at a meeting when he's like, "Sign with me, I'll take you to the stars." I was like, "Don't do it." Yeah, <laughs> there was something wrong with his hair. Yeah, I, I couldn't place it. I mean, I, I guess it was a wig, but just oh sure, it. I don't know. It didn't look right. I think it's probably because it just looked really normal. Yeah. And in Game of Thrones, I don't think he's got vaguely normal hair. I'm not sure. Doesn't he have quite short cropped hair in Game of Thrones? Oh, maybe he does. Yeah. Maybe in Game of Thrones, that is his normal hair. But this one was a wig and it just stood out because it didn't match anybody else's wigs. Well, I mean... Everybody else's wigs, they all kind of... They worked together. And yeah. none, none of them clashed. Well, everybody was wearing a wig in this movie. Yeah. Like, it was a wiggy, <laughs> wiggy movie. So maybe that maybe that wig didn't... Maybe that wig stood out for not standing out. Yeah, that's yeah, what maybe, I think. Maybe it just because it was just like a regular toupee and everyone else was wearing like crazy afros. Like the, the the one member of Queen who, I can't remember his name, they make a point of being really boring. But mm. he, he's, it's like he's Cher. <laughs> Every scene he's flipping a wig. Like he's got a completely different hairstyle. There's one where he's got this like geometric kind of bob. It's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I guess it's accurate at the time. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would have liked more celebrity lookalikes as well. That was another yeah, thing. me too. We, we got a we, couple. We got we got an Elton who was yeah. doing nothing. He was just literally a background extra. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was a shame. And I I really think they should have got um, Taron Edgerton to to play him. Just link those films. Yeah, just have him like sat there and hold up a sign saying like Rocket Man out February twenty nineteen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I wish they'd do that in more films. Like I mm. I was hoping for that in um, uh, the Steve Jobs film. Yeah, um, that came out recent last year or year before, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really hoping to get Jesse Eisenberg as Mark Zuckerberg. Sure, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, because I mean they're made by the same people, mm. same director and everything. So like, just do it. Why not? Yeah. What's, what's the disadvantage? Sure. Just make a cinematic universe of <laughs> real events. Yeah, I like that idea. I wonder if Freddie Mercury will be in the Elton John biopic. I mean, it, I, I wouldn't be Rami Malek. Could be Sasha Baron Cohen. Who almost played oh, this yeah, role? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did they have many encounters? According to this film, they didn't. No, I guess not. Well, it doesn't really mention it on John, but I'm sure they must have crossed mm. paths. They I were mean, around fact, at the same time. You to know. be fair, in this film, he doesn't cross paths with anybody. No, no, that's you don't, you don't, you never see David Bowie. Mm. You never see Montserrat Caballa, the famous opera singer who he did Barcelona with. You never see Michael Jackson, who he wrote some songs with. Like you don't really see him with other celebrities, and I think that would have been fun. Mm. Right, yeah. Just wish we had a Michael Jackson lookalike in this. That would have been great, yeah. There was one bit at Live Aid that I thought was in slightly poor taste. Um, <laughs> when basically before Queen go on, like you've got Bob Geldof walking through the, the, the like the phone, you know, the call-in centre where mm-hmm. the people are yeah. donating money to, you know, donate yeah. to the famine relief. And there's like no phones ringing. He's like, it's not working. It's not working. God damn it, it's not working. And then Queen come on and like stop performing. And suddenly all the phones like up. It's like, I don't think that's accurate. I don't think Queen no. personally saved Live Aid. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they helped. And they, Actually, and, yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and they stole the show. But well, they said uh, like three billion people are watching before Queen. That these people were just like apparently just sat on their hands like, nope, not impressed. The kids yep. can die. Right. <laughs> If anything, the phones would have like gone off when there was like a really good performance on because it would have been like glued to the TV. Yeah, you'd have called up afterwards, but yeah, apparently not. No. <laughs> oh, well. uh, but yeah, on the whole, uh, yeah, I like this, and I don't think it was nearly as bad as a lot of critics are saying it is. No. It was good. How do you think this is going to do in the Oscars? I think now that it's doing really well, people might um, revisit it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think he'll definitely get Rami Malek will 
be in the consideration, I think. I don't think he'll definitely get nominated, but mm. I think he'll get nominated for like the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy. And he might even win that. Like, well, it is a musical. There's yeah, musical. yeah. I know it it's is, not a comedy, but, but it's, it's comedic. Right? But now that, 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 I just don't like that category. Sure. It just always feels like a, like Get Out was in it. Yeah, yeah, it feels like a consolation prize. Yes, it's, it's it, just yeah. like, oh, well, if you can't get the main prize, then, you know, maybe you can try for musical or comedy. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, come on. It, it is. It, it is, may as well but... to be best supporting film. Sure. But what I'm saying is if he wins that, he might it might give him the momentum to get into the Oscar race. Right? True, true. Yeah. yeah. I don't think people take this film like seriously enough, quote unquote, to that he'll likely win, I don't think. Mm. But I think he was very good. Um, but I don't. Other than that, I don't know. I don't think it's really, again, quote, quote unquote, artistic enough to get into Best Picture. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine what else. Like, There's no original songs for obvious reasons. Mm. Stuff like cinematography sat... I don't know, maybe sound editings? I mean, those are such mysterious categories to me, but I guess the mixing of Freddie's real vocals might be yeah, quite technically interesting. I don't know. Right? Yeah. That's the only other thing I could think of. Like, There's no supporting actors in here who have got a hope in hell. It's absolutely a one-man yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think it might just be like a one-nomination kind of film. Mm. I mean, yeah. It might get a um, some kind of screenplay. Possibly. I don't think the screenplay was very good, though. I really think the power of Queen's music, the fact that it's a naturally interesting story, and... Rami Malek's performance are the things that make this film good. I don't think the script was that great. There were lots that were very had, clunky. You're right, you're right. It had its ups and downs. Yeah. Um, Although, speaking of the script, sorry, I know mm. we're going to wrap up, but I, I do have to mention my favourite line in the film, mm. by far, which I told you about after we walked out of it, but it's, uh, so when Evil Gay, um, basically, he, Evil Gay kind of seduces Freddy, kind of takes him up, and this is like Freddy at the peak of his party lifestyle, the rest of Queen, like, no, we're all married with kids, we don't want to live this lifestyle. So he kind of goes off on his own and he's like, you don't need them, Freddie. You don't need them. He seduced, he's kind of convinces Freddie to go solo and all this stuff yeah. anyway. And then he, he becomes his like manager, kind of live in manager. And he basically gets the call about live aid from the manager, from the other manager. Mm-hmm. And he basically doesn't tell Freddie about live aid or he keeps it all hidden from him. Yeah. And then Freddie finds out, you know, he realizes his life's gone off the rails. He has a good heart to heart with Mary. And then he ends up like, telling that guy to get out he like fires him mm. in fact he gives this bizarre speech which is like uh, what was it fruit flies like he's standing in the rain it's very dramatic it's like you know how you know when you've gone too far fruit flies fruit flies feeding off the corpse or, it was very <laughs> weird I'm sure it never happened but anyway he, he gets rid of him he's, the evil gay is cast out and then he goes back to Queen and he says oh I fired Ted whatever his name was mm. and uh, they go on what grounds and he says villainy <laughs> <laughs> what a line <laughs> I want to use that line one day. <laughs> okay, well, good luck. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was accurate. He was absolutely oh, yeah, fired yeah, on yeah. grounds of villainy. Right. I'll, I'll try and set you up in some way. Yeah, that's what the P45 looks like. <laughs> Reason for dismissal, villainy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, any other thoughts? How do you rate this? I'd give this probably about a... I can't remember if I gave the Star Wars one a 7 or an 8, but... I think we both gave it 7s. Yeah, I'd give this a 7 too. I think I'm going to give this an 8. Okay, you're going to push this up. Yeah, okay. I really enjoyed this. Mm. I mean, yeah, I mean, I walked out with a smile on my face, you know, but we were in a quite crowded theatre by our standards normally, mm. I think because the movie's being very successful and we saw it a little bit earlier than we usually do, but mm-hmm. yeah, and it, it, everyone seemed to be having a great time. It seemed like people laughed, people cried, people loved the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't think, like I said, I think critics might overthink things themselves, because I don't think a lot of people would walk out of this thinking, oh, Freddie Mercury, what a bastard, or, you know, <laughs> or if only he wasn't gay, his life would have been so much better. I don't think that's at all what the message was, mm-hmm. right? so... Yeah, I, I think on the whole, this film has been slightly unfairly judged. Yeah, uh, I, I had a tear in my eye with, at, at the end of it just because it ended so 
uh, so exactly how I wanted it to end. Yeah, exactly. Triumphantly. Um, yeah. So for I, that, definitely giving it a high eight. Yeah, that's true. And you know, we already said it at the beginning, but I'm really glad it did end on a triumphant thing. It wasn't. Mm. It wasn't. It couldn't ignore the fact that he died, but it was very much like it wasn't. It didn't show him horribly. You know, you never saw the the, the final years or anything. Really I did then find it a little bit odd how, I mean, they kind of wrote themselves into this corner, but the the credits is where they they get they give some facts of what happened afterwards and yeah. how, like how he died when he died and everything um and they also then played the one song they hadn't played the, the one major song they hadn't played during the film mm-hmm. which is don't stop me now yeah i'm having such a good time mm-hmm. uh, like and just felt a bit a little bit odd because yeah i would there, there he is dying of aids and the song singing don't stop me now yeah i would have done these are the days of our lives i don't think they sang that in the film and that's one that's quite associated with his like which one does i want to go again the I can't sing. It's it, it's very like it's a ballad. It's like these are the days of our life. It's a uh, George Michael sang it at the tribute concert after okay. he died. Like you'd um, know if you heard it. I'm not sure, going to sure. it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I feel like it, it needed. Don't stop me now on the credits. Well, yeah, I guess it's again. You want people to walk out like, oh yeah, like yeah, know. yeah, exactly. But also, it was you, jarring. You, 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 you did kind of need to mention the age a bit in a bit more detail than the film did. Sure, sure, sure. Even though I think the film handled it really well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, with all the caveats that they rearrange the timeline and stuff, and mm. but, but yeah, they, I think by not dwelling on it too much, I think that's for the, for this kind of film, that's for the best. I think. Like, yeah. You don't, you don't just, I don't, I don't think anyone's life should be defined by how they died, particularly. Yeah, so. exactly, and also that's how Freddie Mercury publicly lived his life. Yeah, he never wanted to talk about. So if you made a whole film about that, it would be more disrespectful. Even if it was, even if it's more accurate, I think it'd be more disrespectful. Mm. This film focused on what a great entertainer he was, and I think that's mm. a good thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, to, I guess to conclude, what's your favourite Queen song? Um, oh God, it's always a difficult one. Don't Stop Me Now is very, very solid. Mm. Um, is there another one? Bites the Dust is pretty good. <sighs> Fat Bottom Girls is pretty good too. <laughs> sure. It is. No, it's a good song. Yeah, it's a good song. <laughs> uh, is it called Sweet Lover Boy? I don't think I know that one. Uh, they didn't do it in the film. Okay. It's a good one. Okay. I don't think I've heard that. Well, I'm sure I would if you played it, but not ringing a bell. Mm. You? Uh, yeah, I like Killer Queen. Mm-hmm. I like, you're my best friend. <laughs> just because it's... <laughs> just makes me laugh. It's silly. Um, crazy Little Thing Called Love. Yeah. Or, and... or what's the other one? that uh, Somebody to Love. Somebody to Love. That's good, yeah. That's a, that is a... Mm-hmm. That was a cracking song. Yeah. But there's a lot. Hey, The Greatest Hits is going to get a big boost from this film. Mm, there's a yeah. lot of good Queen songs. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, I guess we should wrap up. Yep, better add. Well, Lovely. All right. Well, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks everybody for subscribing. Yep, and we'll see you again for another one soon. Bye. Bye. Let's go beyond. Beyond the box set.